Hello and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by Jessica Sharo uh, over Skype because uh, we went home from the office and uh, that was a regrettable decision because uh, as we were sort of on our way home, LeBron decided to announce that he is joining the Los Angeles Lakers. Cash, at least we predicted this. Yes, we did. We did predict it. Although you predicted that because we predicted it, we were going to be wrong and half hour later we were proven right. That's right. We should trust our our sources. Our sources. Um, yeah. So LeBron uh, announces through uh, Clutch Sports. Um, not quite Michael Jordan. I'm back. You know, thirty. But uh, you know, Clutch Sports uh, tweets out for our media release. LeBron James, four time Finals MVP, three times NBA Finals MVP, fourteen time NBA All Star, and two time Olympic gold medalist, has agreed to a four year. 154 million contract with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Cash, first off, first reactions. You think LeBron and KCP are going to form a super team or what? Well, first off, first reaction, if you wanted, is that even the font and the uh, everything looked similar. The MJ, I'm back press release, just more words. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Also, do you ever remember a time in your life watching the NBA, following the NBA, that a team, a player, an agent, anyone has actually – like confirmed publicly the financial terms of a contract because i don't yeah it's pretty weird it's pretty weird although i think raptors or not raptors uh maple leafs pr put out the contract details of john tavares well, in so hockey in the nhl it's actually pretty common nowadays right um so it, it's yeah it's pretty common in the nhl multiple teams do it but yeah in the nba i just can't uh i can't remember any any team or agent or anyone doing this so it was kind of weird it was just unique and interesting to see that and kind of wondered what the motivations behind that were true um yeah i mean look i think the first question is uh who else does lebron you know get to go with him right because him in la alone with the rest of that roster is gonna be a playoff team i think i think we can say that much but in terms of like, so. yeah. championship contention it's still a little bit away um you know, obviously Kawhi is that big name out there. Do you feel like this helps or hurts the Lakers' leverage in terms of getting Kawhi um, now that LeBron has signed, regardless of the fact that you know they still don't have Kawhi just yet? I think it. I think it helps them. I think um, they don't feel as much pressure now, I guess, to to get Kawhi for the purpose of landing LeBron. But I still think it helps them in the sense that. Um, they have LeBron in tow now. They know that they're a step away probably from contention. So they might be more willing to part with some of their young guys to to make that happen, you know, as opposed to kind of going all in for Kawhi a year out of his free agency in the hopes that maybe it leads to a LeBron. Now they just know we got LeBron. It's three, mm-hmm. four years, you know, four years, three maybe if there's an option at the end. But this LeBron's going to lead their team going forward. Turn some of those young assets into a Kawhi Leonard. Now you got both those guys, and obviously, if they land Kawhi going into a contract year, I don't think anyone would question whether he's resigning long term. So I think they'd be more willing now to do it, and I think just in in that respect, they're going to be closer to doing it than ever. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I, I think it does. It really does help the Lakers' positioning as well because you know, hey, if you have to fall back on having LeBron on your team, that's not so bad. Um, I think one interesting thing is uh, the fact that they added Contavious Caldwell Pope. But before the Lakers, we talk about that. Let's add Joe Wolf onto the call again. This is uh, you know usually we do this in studio, but uh, it's a very makeshift emergency pod. Yeah, seriously, let's just add Joe Wolf onto the pod. Um, 
But um, yeah, I mean, Contavious Caldwell Pope, twelve million. Um, it's nice to be in clutch sports. It really is. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a one-year deal too. Twelve million, obviously, is a lot for KCP, mm-hmm. um, and he had some really brutal stretches um, down the stretch of last season as well. But on a one-year deal, there's really not much harm in it, right? So, if if helping LeBron out in that respect, or you know, kind of helping clutch sports out a bit was part of this, then I don't think the Lakers are that worried about it. Wolf on? Yes. Uh, are you as shocked? Are, are you shocked by this move? Or, like, what's your immediate reaction to LeBron? I mean, we've uh, we've already talked about that a little bit, but uh, let's just hear your thoughts on, your first thoughts on, um, you know, LeBron choosing to sign at LA. I mean, definitely not shock. Uh, you know, we recorded earlier today, and we all said we expected him to sign there, so... Um, no, I, I don't think I'm really surprised at all. Um, I guess maybe him signing for four years um, surprised me a bit because, you know, he's been signing these short one-plus-one deals for so long. Um, I guess I kind of just expected that he would continue to do that. Um, but, you know, I, it seems like he's just kind of ready to plant his flag there. And, uh, you know, he's probably been mulling this over for a really long time and, um you know, I think he he feels like LA is where he's ready to to uh, you know make it make his home. Um, so, no, I, I'm definitely not surprised. Um, but now that it's official, you know, we can kind of start thinking about the machinery of of, of that situation and how it's going to work. Um, you know, both in terms of the players on that Lakers roster and how they might continue to fill it out, and you know how he is going to coexist with uh, with the ball family if if they're still in town um uh you know the the kcp move was interesting because it really ate into their cap space um and it might mean now that they have to renounce julius randall because uh they're down to i think like under 10 million in space with his cap hold on the books. so um i'm pretty curious to see where that situation goes from here yeah, I think there it, there might be a case to be made though that in this kind of weak market, if you're able to lock in Randall at an affordable price, like they need a big, they're not really gonna just play LeBron with Mo Wagner and stuff, like you know. Yeah. And and Randall kind of fits that Tristan Thompson kind of style, uh, strong offensive rebounder, way better score, um, you know, way fewer Kardashian uh, family ties, but you know, like th- that could be a guy that fits with LeBron. Yeah, and I think uh, those are good points. And just in addition with the cap space, if if Kawhi is their next target and they're going to make that work via trade, um, I don't know how concerned they are with cap space and chasing other free agents. So if they can find a way to lock that Kawhi trade down and and lock Randall down instead of losing him for nothing or, or moving him, I think that just makes more sense at this point. Wolfond, uh, you just wrote a, a piece about um, the latest in what the Spurs are demanding for Kawhi. Can you share with us... Uh what that deal is i mean it's just a report it's not my reporting obviously but um the they were reportedly asking for two current players unnamed players and three future first round picks um (laughs) which is that's ridiculous uh, man (laughs) like i I think they probably know that they're not going to get that um but uh obviously it being a negotiation um you know they're going to set their price high so you know, they're not going to get that, I don't think, from the Sixers. Uh, they're certainly not going to get that from the Lakers. Like, the Lakers don't e- even have uh, those kind of assets, really, to shell out. The Sixers at least kind of have extra picks coming their way. 
mm-hmm. uh, in the future. They have that unprotected Miami pick that could be really useful if they decide to make this move. But um, I think the general sense right now is that Kawhi is still pretty set on going to L.A. in 2019 anyway. So it really does seem like the market outside of L.A. for him is going to remain pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um it sounds like the Clippers are still, you know, pretty interested in trying to put a package together. But again, I just don't think that they have the assets to get that done. Yeah. Um, the Clippers and- being interested in trading for Kawhi kind of reminds me of the Nuggets saying they wanted to barge their way into the LeBron <laughs> free agency meetings. It's like, sure. Yeah. You know, we all want nice things, but how are you going to actually make it happen? Right. And I think like, the, you know, there's like this stark contrast there to what, what, what it made me think about was um, the Clippers were reportedly prepared to offer Tobias Harris and one of their lottery picks this year for Kawhi. And, you know, the Spurs are out here asking for two players and three first-rounders. So, yeah, I don't think the Clippers package is going to get it done. And also, if you're, like, if you're the Sixers or even the Celtics, who obviously have the kind of assets um, to land Kawhi, like, if you're one of those teams, LeBron's out of the East now. And if if you believe that the Lakers – if you believe that the Lakers um, – are going to end up with Kawhi a year from now anyway, especially now that LeBron's there. And the East path to the finals has now been cleared. Like, why are you going to mortgage your future or give away any of your assets for a potential one-year rental when they probably in-house believe that they're already good enough to get to the finals? Um, speaking of which, if uh, I mean, we'll talk about how this affects the West in a second, but this kind of really does open up the East because LeBron has won the East for eight straight years. Um and he's finally going west. And if you look at the landscape, there's three teams that are really primarily positioned to uh, make a run to the finals. Obviously, the Boston Celtics um, could have been in the finals if it wasn't for uh, Jeff Green. Um, but, you know, like the Celtics, you know, if you're the Celtics, you got to be thrilled because it, it seems to be really opening up for you. Um, the Sixers, you know, uh, they have a lot of quality as well, and uh, they have a lot of cap room. So who knows? They might use that. Uh, whether they're trading for Kawhi or whatever, but they seem to be uh, one of the you know three favorites to go to the finals. And hey, if you're the Toronto Raptors and you've lost to LeBron so many times, um, you got to be thrilled to not lose to LeBron until the finals, right? Like, does it change the timeline for any of those three teams? I mean, for the but Raptors, I... like, let's let's be honest, like they haven't really looked particularly good in any playoff series. So I know that. that what do you mean? They only the needed six games to beat the Wizards. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, they've, they've lost to the Cavs each of the last three years, but given how they've performed in the playoffs, um, I don't think you can pencil them into anything uh, at, at this moment in time. The Celtics, I think, definitely have a case. Um, mm-hmm. Like They obviously were extremely close to making it out of the East last year, even with LeBron there, and that was without uh, a healthy Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward. So I think they're going to be a pretty strong favorite to make it out of that conference next year. Uh, with the Sixers probably coming in behind them, obviously, you know, pending whatever they do the rest of this offseason. Um, and and the Raptors probably slotting in third. Well, Cash? I can talk myself into any one of those three teams coming out of the East. I mean, look, the, the Celtics, obviously, if Kyrie and Hayward are healthy, you add them to the team that kind of finished the year and pushed the Cavs and LeBron to the limit. Obviously, that seems like a team that should be getting better, too, and can easily get there. Um, Philly, probably between Simmons and Embiid, assuming they're healthy, probably have the two best players among the three teams we're talking about. And then, obviously, the Raptors can look at it from from a continuity standpoint. They're bringing back a 59-win team that, 
you know, has lost to LeBron. If, if it wasn't for LeBron, you can make the argument the Raptors probably get to the finals at least two of the three uh, last three years, if not all three of them. So they're looking at it from that perspective. And then, you know, throw in, I, I'm surprised no one from the Wizards has, like, tweeted out something about the Wizards now being the team to beat in the East. Like, what? They definitely believe. Yeah, they, they, they be- should be tweeting about how LeBron's going to the West to duck them again. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Like, no one in their right mind should believe the Wizards have a shot to win the East. But the Wizards definitely believe that. Mm. So I think realistically... Uh, Boston, Philly, Toronto all all have a legitimate case to get out of the East, but I think Washington and maybe even one or two other teams probably thinks they have a chance, whether they whether they should believe that or not. Uh, what's going to be the future in Cleveland after this? Because they have pretty much no prospects uh, aside from Colin Sexton, uh, who they drafted and gave Kyrie's number two immediately. No pressure at all. Um, Dan Gilbert, I mean, it hasn't been necessarily solid reports, but it certainly seems like he's the kind of guy that would uh, want to sort of, quote-unquote, take control of his team again and, uh, you know, maybe build a championship contender. And, I mean, we'll see if they if they get three first-round number one picks um, uh, in four years, like last time when LeBron left. But, um, yeah, I mean, Cleveland looks pretty bleak. I'm not going to lie. Cleveland looks pretty bleak. They, they, they really have a core of Chetty Osman. Colin Sexton, um, maybe Larry Nance and Rodney Hood. And also, they have to live with the fact that they took on Jordan Clarkson, which really did help facilitate the Cavaliers or the uh, the Lakers to take on more salary and, and open up more, uh, uh, you know, cap room to, to, you know, recruit LeBron this summer. Yeah, and I think, again, you, you look back at the Cavaliers – um, during Dan Gilbert's ownership tenure. This is a team that has made comically poor decisions basically at every turn. And again, the only reason they got to the heights they got to is because they were lucky enough to play in a city just outside of the city where LeBron James was born. Mm-hmm. They were lucky enough to win the lottery, you know, what, four times, including three times after LeBron left. Like, every everything they've had has pretty much been come down to luck, and the things they've actually been able to control, they've failed miserably. So you take LeBron out of that situation again, we know where this is headed. If, if they don't hit lottery luck, this team's going to be bad, and they're going to be bad for a long time in a non-destination market. Like, they're obviously in trouble. So they should trade love, then. Well, as a counter to that, like, I think they will look to trade him eventually, but I don't know if they'll look to do it this year because they don't have their 2019 pick. Um, they traded that to Atlanta in, in the Corver deal. So um, but I it's feel protected. like they might try to... Is it though? It's like top ten protected, so I think they, if they really wanted they, to, they tank, should they be keep able that. to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, and that I, I thought it was unprotected, but if it, if it's protected, then yeah, I mean, I think probably tearing it down to the studs would be the right thing to do. But like, they've got some unmovable contracts too. Right. Um, and honestly, like, what are they? You know, what are they getting back for Kevin Love at this point? Like, they can probably pull a first rounder from somewhere. Um, you know, you know, assuming that they take back a, a bad contract in conjunction with that. Um, but like, you know, I don't think that they are going to get some bounty for Kevin Love. that's going to help them, you know, you know, set them up for five years down the road. Like, uh, it's going to be painfully incremental, I think. And I feel like it could be a while before we see the fruits of any kind of a rebuild that starts this year. But what if you're what if you're a team like Philadelphia, right? Let's say you don't end up getting Kawhi because the price is crazy. Um, maybe they turn around and get Kevin Love, right? Like, that's a position of need for them at Power Forward. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly open, and they have more cap room, and they have extra picks that they can use. And who knows? I mean, like, you know, if the Sixers really do feel like they're very competitive right now, which they should, 
like getting Kevin Love is a nice piece for them, or even the Raptors. Like I don't know what the Raptors can necessarily offer, but you know they have some. They can Serge Ibaka matches salary, and then of course you have to throw some extra prospects on there. But you know there's there should be a market, especially since like a lot of teams are competitive, and it seems like the Cavaliers next season will not be. Yeah, I think the one thing though is when you're like the the Sixers, the Celtics, even the Raptors. I don't know if. You know, as much as I still like Kevin Love as a player, he obviously has value. The guy's still a star and, and does certain things very well. I don't know if any of those three teams we're talking about, you know, see Love as the kind of guy that can get them to the next level by a clear enough margin mm-hmm. that they would give up one of their young guys. Because all those teams are so enamored with their young players, right, that I don't True. think they're giving them up for for a guy like Love who maybe doesn't move the needle enough. Again, especially when all three of those teams probably already consider themselves the favorite in that conference. That's true. I, and I also, also think the thing... Yeah, ahead. sorry, what's, no, what's up? What do you, what do you say? Well, I just think, look, Kevin Love's really good, and, and I think, you know, a lot of the times the way that we talk about him gives him short shrift just because he is LeBron's teammate, and that can be a re, you know a really difficult position to be in, uh-huh. um, especially for a guy like Love whose role completely changed when he came to Cleveland. But, like... I feel like there's a sense that the things that he does, um, obviously he resides at like the upper end of the, uh, you know, stretch four spectrum. Um, but there are a lot of guys around the league, I feel like, who can do what he does and probably take less off the table at the defensive end. So, you know, you kind of get a sense that like if you can get sort of like 60 or 70 percent of that offensive production and... Um, have like somebody who's not going to get played off the floor defensively, then you know is it really worth it paying max money to a guy who who is not you know necessarily going to help you in a lot of situations in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. That, that's just the sense that I get because his his playoff performances have been pretty ugly the last few years. As much as he's had moments, um, that's true. Yeah. Um, okay, going back to the West. Um, we don't quite know what the Lakers roster is going to look like just yet, but let's say it's just what it is right now. Maybe they retain Randall, um, and it's a basically last year's Lakers team plus LeBron. Um, does that team get home court advantage in the in the first round of the playoffs? Cash. Are they a top four seed? As presently constructed, I'm gonna say no. Really? Um, so, like, the oh, Blazers man. are better than them? No, okay, look, obviously Golden State, I still think Houston's a better team. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I guess if Lonzo takes another step, and I'm a big Lonzo fan, um, Kuzma, like, I don't know, I, I, I think they're a playoff team. I don't know if they're jumping to a top four seed. And obviously, all the respect in the world for what LeBron can do on a court, but I don't know, I don't know, I don't think they have enough right now to just immediately jump into the top four. True. Um I very much think they could be a five or a six and still get to like the conference finals or something as presently constructed. But I don't know if in the long slog of the regular season they're just immediately jumping into that top four right now. Well, I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't know the, that this Lakers supporting cast is that much better than uh, than the Cavs supporting cast that he played with this year. Uh, I do think it's a little bit better, but they don't have anybody who's as good as Kevin Love. Uh, um, they're they're not going to be as bad defensively, but like we've seen how LeBron kind of plays in the regular season and they barely were a top four seed in the East this year. So uh, there are so many good teams in the West. Um, If they don't add anybody else, no, like I don't, I don't see them as being a top four team at all. Like obviously the Warriors are there. The the Rockets are still way better than them. 
Um, I think you could argue that the Jazz are better. Um, you know, uh, I think the Thunder, who really knows what that team is going to look like in year two uh, of, of Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Um, I, I just think there are too many good teams to to pencil them into the top four, given that, you know, as of right now, uh, obviously I expect this to change, but as of right now, the supporting cast looks kind of underwhelming. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you gotta you, you gotta figure they're gonna make more moves. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I think I think um, LeBron's gonna have to obviously take some time to get the players to work around him. Like the fact that they're really young is a real issue. Like we saw when LeBron first got to Cleveland, like um, he had to work with Deion Waiters, he had to work with a younger, less mature Kyrie Irving, um, and you know it. It didn't really quite work until you got a couple veteran guys. And even, you know, even flipping uh, Dion basically into J.R. Smith and um, Timofey Mozgov, like even that, which is a, a very marginal move, like even that, just, just getting some more experienced players um, really did help them. I think one of the things that might worry me if I'm the, if I'm the Lakers is that, like, a lot of the actual, um, like, key veterans like the kind of like ring chasing veterans they've already kind of taken deals like Ariza would have been a perfect guy to like bring back to the Lakers and be a 3 and D guy a veteran steady guy to be around LeBron but you know they don't have that they have KCP instead for 12 mil which is you know who knows maybe they're trying to keep that money for next year and and add another guy but uh, as of right now like it's going to be tough but I mean also like come on we just saw LeBron take a team of objectively really really awful players um to the finals like just really tremendously putrid like jeff green was one of their best players um you know and i think the lakers are more talented than that so as long as he can sort of find a system that works for the rest of the talent um and we know lebron's very adaptable like i think they could probably be a top four seed like i don't think lebron's going to la to you know barely make the playoffs no i, I agree with that I, I like i said i still think that they can you know at least get to the second round, if not maybe the conference finals, just as presently constructed because of LeBron and what we know he can do in the playoffs. Uh, but that's the caveat, right? Is that that team you're talking about that he dragged to the finals the last couple of years in the East or this year, you know, last year the Cavs were actually good. But the, the team he dragged this year, you know, he wouldn't have been able to drag that team to the finals, obviously through the West because Golden State's there and Houston's there. And that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think on that note, this, you know, it's going to bring up the Adam Silver talked about it at all-star weekend about you know the logistics behind potentially going to like the one to 16 format where like eight teams would still make it from each conference but then they'd actually seed them one through 16 and have a tournament that way you have to wonder if this expedites that thinking in the league office right to avoid the lebron versus warriors every year in the conference finals or golden state houston the lakers all three of those teams plus okc being in the same conference being in the same bracket wouldn't be able to be implemented immediately obviously they'd have to work some things out but you've got to figure if something's going to expedite that uh possible restructuring of the playoff format that this move would be it lebron going west might finally be the the straw that broke the camel's back there true yeah i mean lebron's on record too saying that he thought it was corny uh for them to receive the playoffs so i I feel like he's probably reconsidering that stance right now hey man he said he was going to stay with the cavaliers (laughs) for the rest of his career too and uh I don't know, man. LeBron's a guy of circumstance. Like, I think if it works in his favor, in this case, reseeding would definitely work in his favor, then yeah, I think he'd be for it. And given how much sway he has in the players' union, like, you know, if he wants it, like, chances are pretty good the rest of the players will fall in line. But, um, 
Yeah, it's uh it's it's going to be crazy. Obviously, now the attention really shifts towards Kawhi and the and the Spurs, and you know, if I guess in it, you can argue that it kind of helps the Spurs in the sense that the East is now more open, so a team like the Sixers might gamble or be more willing to gamble um, on uh, you know Kawhi for a one year rental. But at the same time, you can also argue that it works against the Spurs because at least previously they had the leverage of you know. You get Kawhi, you get LeBron as well. Now it's just they get Kawhi if they want to get Kawhi. LeBron's already there. So, um, you know, that's going to be the next domino to fall. But uh, overall, it's just been a crazy amount of free agency. In terms of just, like, off-the-court impact, um, do you think, like, we're going to see LeBron in more movies? Do you think we're going to see LeBron sort of branching out into another phase of his career where, you know, he's going to L.A. not just to... Uh, live in his two mansions, which I've been telling people about. Like he probably wants to live in those two mansions, and now he's going to be able to do it. Um, he's going to live in both of them. Sure, why not? I joined them, man. Um, but like, you know, he's not just going there to live there and f- and for his family and everything else. Like he's also going there to sort of expand his stars. So, like, what else do you think we'll see from LeBron off the court? Well, I think we'll be seeing that Space Jam trailer any day now. Mm. Um, that should be coming soon enough. I, I believe there was a report out there that he was going to drop that trailer soon after his free agency decision. Right. So it only makes sense that he's gone Hollywood. But yeah, I think I think off the court we'll probably see a little more of that, like some more, um, maybe some TV cameos. Who knows, right? It's obviously all speculation, but you got to figure if if part of the whole Hollywood um, opportunity was you know was part of the mix, not just him being in things, but whether it's his production company, you know, the uninterrupted shoes, like all of those things, you got to figure it factors in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much more famous can LeBron really get, you know? Like, uh, I'm about to find out, man. <laughs> yeah, I good guess. point. Um, but, like, you know, the, I, the proximity to Hollywood and um, just sort of the convenience factor and the quality of life out there, I'm sure, uh, will be great boons to him. Um but, like, you know, LeBron's LeBron. Like, he was going to be LeBron wherever he decided to play. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe we'll see him uh, appearing in more movies and TV and stuff like that. But uh, I don't I don't think too much is, is really going to change as far as his persona. True. And you know what? Honestly, uh, the Hollywood, like, type of storyline might actually play it on the court because it seems like he's really determined to play with the sun. Um, and I think... At the end of this four-year deal, his son will be 17, um, which means that, you know, the year thereafter, like, they could play together, basically. So whether that happens in L.A. or not, um, that's going to be another huge story for him to basically finish his career on. But, um, yeah, this is, this is crazy. I can't believe LeBron's going to the Lakers, too, because it's kind of weird. He's kind of been um, uh, sort of anointed as this like like anti like this enemy of the lakers just because there's been so much argument between kobe fans and lakers fans and now lakers fans are gonna have to rectify the fact that their team now has lebron on it and they're gonna have to cheer for him and obviously i don't think it's an issue to cheer for lebron by any means it's not a, a burden but um it's just gonna be funny to see how that dynamic works yeah, it'd be funny if the last thing that pushed lebron to la was that one tweet kobe sent out during the finals or whatever enjoy my five Oh, yeah, you, you can just enjoy my five. That that's what finally pushed LeBron to be like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I gotta go win one in LA now just to shut Kobe up. Hey, Kobe already uh, already congratulated LeBron. Welcome to the family. Hashtag Lakers for life. Hashtag strive for greatness. Well, I think it's Lakers for four years, but you know, <laughs> man, there's gonna be there's gonna be so much like uncomfortable 
passive-aggressive tension between those two, I feel like. Mm. All right, um, let's end the podcast with this prediction. Um, how many titles will LeBron win in Los Angeles? Um, he's going to be there for four years. I, I firmly believe he'll be there throughout the life of the contract. And uh, you know what? For me, I'll just say one. I don't think it's going to – it's going to – it's going to take a lot to beat the Warriors. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he catches the Warriors at the, the tail end of his career because I don't think there's anything he can do this season that's going to get them past the Warriors. Yeah, I'd agree with one. I, I think, um, you know, I think you can make the argument for zero, but I, we've obviously learned in a lot of different ways to never count out LeBron. And I think multiple is just expecting way too much when you consider that at least one or two of the next couple of years, the Warriors will still have that window pride open. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think he catches the end of that Warriors window or maybe that Warriors team starts breaking up and LeBron gets at least one more star, if not two more in L.A. with him. I think you've got to give him one. Yeah, I think I, I would probably say one, two, but because you guys both said one, I'll, I'll make the case for two. Um, I think if Kawhi ends up there, a lot is going to depend on Kawhi's health uh, if and when that happens. But, like, I just think those two guys together could be insanely good. Yeah. Um, and and there's always the possibility of just adding uh, another star on top of that. And, like, um, you know, I, I don't know how much longer this Warriors dynasty is going to last, really, right? Because, you know, for one thing, um, we don't know how much longer KD is going to be there. Uh, mm-hmm. He signed a one plus one and could be a free agent again next season. Um, or even Clay, you know, or Draymond. Yeah, right. Clay, Clay could be a free agent in 2019. Draymond's out there saying that he wants to supermax. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the team's going to get insanely expensive, which maybe isn't an issue. But we saw some like chemistry issues this season a little bit. Like these things are pretty fragile, and um, I just don't think you can necessarily bank on that. You know, extending for the next few years. And meanwhile, this thing in LA is kind of just starting up. I feel like there's this propulsive momentum, um, you know, when you kind of build a super team in the first few years. There's an energy, you're working towards something, it's fresh, it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the possibility of just kind of like continuing to add to it um, makes me feel like maybe there's a chance that they could win multiple titles. So uh, I'll go with two. True. Okay. All right. Um, well, that does it for this uh, reaction podcast. Again, we sh- probably should have just waited to record the initial one. Um, but I think that still works as like a primer for the rest of free agency. Um, but uh, yeah, LeBron's in Los Angeles and um, you know, we'll see what happens with Kawhi next. But uh, once that decision is made, we'll be back on the airwaves. And uh, uh, again, thanks to both uh, cash and Wolfon for, um, you know, uh, being available for this podcast. And we'll look forward to the next crazy turn of the NBA in the upcoming podcast. Okay.